Good morning, Full Life. Everybody doing good this morning? It's been a great morning so far. Thank you for being on time. It's so funny. Somebody said, on, I saw it on Facebook, everybody's phones automatically move ahead an hour, right? So stop putting the post. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It don't matter how many times your phone moves ahead. There's going to be somebody who forgets, and they're late. But you weren't, so give yourselves a hand. And then on top of that, you braved the weather. Are you glad that it's raining? <laughs> I'm thankful for the rain. I don't know about you. But I do love sunshine. And this past week was amazing. I think this week coming up is going to be amazing. Amen? So anyway, God knows what we need. and So we're thankful for the rain, even though it comes in like seven weeks at a time, you know, like straight but I, I, love, I love it that God is taking care of us. So anyway, I'm glad you're here today. Would you do me a favor, help us welcome our online audience today. We're so glad that you're joining with us online today. We hope you've experienced the presence of God in the room. So we're in a series called Jesus Is. We started last week, and here's what we said, that Jesus, uh, the Bible declares that Jesus is God. And that's something really important to understand because Jesus isn't just another person. He wasn't just a good prophet, a good teacher. No, he was God in the flesh. And so we see, the, we bear the record, and, you know, the old, the old Testament points to him. The New Testament bears record that he did exist and he did really did uh, die and rise again for us. And then we know that the scriptures bear out that he made the claim, I am God, over and over again. It's what got him killed, folks. You realize that, right? And so... It's important for us to, to understand that because he, he gave credibility to, credibility to the claim. He said, look here, I'll, I'll heal the sick. That's what he did. He raised the dead. Amen. He himself came out of the tomb, which is the best proof of all that gives credibility to the claim, I am God. And so last week was a powerful message that if you did not get to hear that, it's on our podcast. You can go back to YouTube and watch that. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this idea of Jesus being our best friend. Now, whenever we talk about full life, we're always talking in three dimensions. Number one, the dimension of relationship. And so this message today is all about you understanding why Jesus came. He came to have a relationship with you. He came to, to restore what we messed up. Amen? You heard Steve talking about earlier our sins. Our sins are what really mess up our relationship with God. But aren't you glad that he was willing to, to move past that and pay the penalty so you and I could have a relationship with him? And so we continue to declare this over and over. If you want to have a full life in Christ, it's all about realizing that God wants this relationship with you. And that's re the reason we've been doing this series. The other reason we're doing it is, and the timing of it, is we're leading up to Easter. How many of you know that Easter's coming real soon? I think it's, what, five weeks away is where we are. We're really close. And folks, I don't know if you understand it or not, but it's, that event, that weekend, 2,000 years ago, changed the course of history. Amen. We actually date time by it. But more than that, the fact that Christ died and rose again is a powerful testimony to the Christian faith. And so no other leader of any other religion can make that declaration and say, hey, I rose from the dead. And so that weekend is really important for us as we celebrate what Christ has done. But here's the other thing. People are more open than ever, folks. I don't know if you've heard, seen some of the latest research, the Barner research. People are open to more spirituality than ever before. And so you giving an invitation to somebody, 
over the next few weeks to, to join you for Easter is really important. And that's the reason why we've placed this series leading up to Easter because we want to equip you, help you as you share your faith, as you invite people to church with you on Easter Sunday. Can I get an amen? So what we've done is we've also given you some resources on this back table back here under the cross. There are these little cards, and it says, I'm praying God's promises for. And there's lines for you to write the names of the people that you're praying for. And on the other side, there are scriptures that you can pray over these people that you put on the back. And that God would open their eyes, that they would see their need for God, and they would come to faith in Him. So here's what I want you to do uh, over the next few weeks. Love for you to do it today. Grab some of those cards. Write the names of the people that you're praying for and that you're inviting. And keep this with you and pray over them over the next few weeks. Amen? Also, we've been doing this since last year. We have these prayer walk where you can prayer walk your neighborhood. We're calling it every neighborhood. We've been doing this since last fall. And I'm encouraging you to continue to do that because here's what will happen. As you're praying, you can pray that strongholds come down, that the, the people that live in your neighborhood who are, who are gripped by the enemy of Satan will, will be open and free to hear the gospel. So you can grab these, grab some people that you live around, that live around you, maybe people who from other neighborhoods and y'all partner together and let's pray and let's watch God give us a good harvest over Easter. Amen? Anybody with me this morning? This is awesome. And so we've got these resources for you. So I want you to understand this is the reason we're doing this series is because we want you, we want to put these things in your hands and be proactive. But you understand the incarnation speaks volumes. You know, Jesus coming in the flesh speaks volumes about what he was willing to do to have a relationship with you. And so I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know, some people think that God's this, this person. You know, have you ever seen that person who's so desperate to have a friend? But they're just willing to do anything? And, and instead of it attracting people, what does it do? That guy's weird. That's not God, folks. You realize God doesn't really need a relationship with us. He's perfect in the triune Godhead. They're in perfect relationship with each other. But you know what he did? He made a choice. I created you for relationship, and so I'm going to pursue that relationship. And here's what he did. He went to great lengths to, to, to the incarnation, and we know that his name, the, the name Emmanuel, what does it mean? Anybody know what it means? God with us. And you know, I like, I like nicknames. Anybody like nicknames? Anybody have a nickname? I've got one. You might know what my nickname is. I heard it, Boo. That's what my wife calls me, right? And nicknames are terms of endearment, right? You, you know, they endear to somebody. And so um, some of the people in our church got a hold of that and, and went a step further. Kelly Phillips, you guys know who she is. She calls me Pastor Boo. And so, <laughs> BB, that's right. And so next week... Uh, after next week, you can call me Bishop Boo. So anyway, <laughs> that's going to be a great celebration. But anyway, so nicknames are in, endearing, right? And so this name, you realize that, the, that God has a lot of names, right? And Jesus, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. We, we read those passages around Christmas time. But this one Emmanuel takes on a whole new meaning when you understand why he came. That he came to clothe himself in flesh. That he, he died on the cross so you and I could have that relationship with him. So we could be called a friend of God, right? A best friend. And so this is why we're doing this. That we understand why he came. So I was, this week as I was researching and doing study, I found an article. 
about best friends. And I read these characteristics. I was just reading it, you know, just trying to get some, draw some information. And it, it struck me as I was reading this. Oh, here's a characteristic of a best friend. Well, Jesus did that. He was, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. So every one of them, Jesus fulfilled, right? So what I want to do is I want to present these to you, these ideas that I found, and show you what the Scripture says about them so you can understand fully that Jesus is your best friend. You guys ready to take this journey with me? If you are, say amen. All right, so the first one is empathy. You guys know what empathy is? So a best friend has this opportunity to feel what we're going through. It's not just, I know what you're going through, I feel what you're going through. In other words, I've stepped into, I can walk the mile in your shoes. I know what you're feeling. That's what best friends can do. And because they've been there, either they've been there with you or been there at another time, or they just simply know on a deeper level you that well. Well, can I give you some good news this morning? Jesus can empathize with you. Amen? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable uh, to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted. Say tempted. Anybody been tempted before? In every way, just as we are yet, he did not sin. Isn't it great to know that he didn't sin? He didn't fall prey. Now, the cool thing is this is, that uh, you guys know his, his, one of his names is he's the God-man. In other words, he was fully God, folks, and fully human at the same time. And so the fact that he was willing to face the things that you and I face is pretty amazing, isn't it? That he was tempted like you and I were. I, were, I are, excuse me. He was tempted in all points. And he, you know, he knows what it means. He knows what it feels like to be a single male. Any single males in the room today? How many of you were once a single male? You remember those days? How tempting it was. Amen? Jesus understood. He understands what it means. Jesus understands what it means to be, now, now folks, he, he never got married as a physical being, but you understand as the, the, he is the groom of the bride of Christ, right? So he understands what it means for his, his bride to be unfaithful. Every time we sin, right, we're being unfaithful. And so he understands what it means to feel betrayed. He understands work. We don't get a lot of story about Jesus as he was a young one. There's a few little stories here and there about when he was, you know, when he was dedicated at 12 years old around the temple and all that. But we don't get a whole lot of picture of his life until he was about 30, right? But Remember who his, who his dad was, his, heavenly, his first earthly dad was. You remember who he was? Joseph. And you know what Joseph's trade was? He was a carpenter. So I picture Jesus with calloused hands. He understood work. He understood what it meant to, for somebody to not pay a bill, right? That the, he's done all this work and he's bu- built this beautiful table for somebody and the, he's, he's having to say, hey, pay up, Right? Or he's, he has to deal with somebody who's unhappy, a customer that's unhappy. All of these things he understands because he worked a job. He understands where you are, right? He also understands pain. Anybody had any pain lately? There's a lot of pain in the world today. He understands. As a matter of fact, Isaiah gives us real 
real clear picture of what Jesus endured for you and I in Isaiah 53. Let's read it, verse, 50, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with what? He understood. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. And so the next time you're hurt, the next time somebody hurts your feelings, the next time somebody says a word to you that, that, that hurts you, the next time somebody does something and betrays you and it causes you pain, he understands bullying. Those of you who have been bullied, he understands. He understands pain. And so he can identify. Remember, he can empathize with you and I. That's what makes him a great friend. Can I get an amen this morning? So then also you, he understands relationships. He had a family. The, Bible, the biblical record gives us he had, he had four brothers and at least two sisters, right? If not more. And can you imagine that household? I had two kids. And the fighting seemed to never end at times, right? They were at, they were at each other. I remember me and my brother, we would go at it. So I could hear it, you know. And so he understood what it means to have the, the, I'm not touching you. But can you imagine having to be, have Jesus as a brother? He's reading my mind again. He knows, you know, I, I didn't really, I wouldn't really picture him as a tattletale. But could you imagine him having to measure yourself against Jesus? He understands family. He understands relationships. He gets you. Everybody say, he gets me. Proverbs 18, 24 says this, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend does what? Sticks closer than a brother. This is what Jesus offers you today. He gets you. He understands you. He knows your pain. He knows what you're facing right now. He knows the temptation. And so he can, and here's the beauty of this too. I didn't mention this, and we didn't read this in the passages, but you know what he's doing right now? Anybody know what Jesus is doing right now? The Bible says that he, after he ascended back to heaven, the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession. You know what he's doing? Hey, God. Hey, Dad. I, I can identify with what's happening right now. Steve's facing this trouble. I know what he's feeling. Can you help him? You see what I'm saying? He understands. He empathizes with us. Here's another one. He knows your thoughts. Whoa, that's scary. But see, a best friend has this uncanny way. Has anybody had a best friend for a really long time? You see your hand? Can they, do they sometimes know what you're thinking? Even before you say something like, I knew you were going to say that. What was it? You were so familiar with each other. You've spent so much time around each other that you know each other. It's almost like you're, you, you have the same thoughts. Well, I got good news for you. Jesus is your best friend because he knows your thoughts, as a matter of fact. He, he cares about everything about you. He has the ability. Psalm 139 says this, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Everybody say, know me. Does he know you? You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. So he knows exactly your thoughts. Now, again, that might scare some of you. But he's not, he doesn't do that to throw you under the bus. What does he want to do? He wants to renew your mind. He wants to help change your thinking because how many of you know when you change your thinking, your behavior changes? 
What's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is us to, for to be like Him. Isn't that, is that your goal this morning, to be just like Jesus? And so when I say He knows your thoughts, it's not in a condemning way. It's, it's He knows you. He's like your best friend who understands you, knows you better than anybody else, and still loves you. Hey, man, are you glad for that this morning? Number three, they're honest. A best friend's honest. Whether you got something stuck in your teeth or you're about to make this huge life choice, major life decision, your best friend's there for you, right? They're a truth teller in your life. And sometimes it doesn't feel good, does it? When your best friend says, hey, man, that attitude, mm-mm-mm. right? This is exactly what Jesus does. He is a truth teller. Because remember, he is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so you and I have this opportunity in a relationship with Jesus for him to speak honestly in our lives. Remember what he did with the the woman caught in the, the act of adultery. You guys remember that story? The Bible says he didn't condemn her. He didn't say, you dirty rot. If anybody had the right to do it, he did. But he picked her up and he said, look, I'm not condemning you. There's grace. There's mercy. But then the second part of that was he said, go and sin no more. He was a truth teller to her, right? The woman at the well. I mean, folks, he read this lady's mail. Oh, you don't have one husband. You have five husbands, and you're living with the guy. You're shacking up with him right now. How many of you would have said, I don't want to hear that? No, he was a truth teller because what did he want to do? He didn't want to judge her. He wanted to change her, didn't he? He wanted to transform her. And so what does a truth teller do? They tell you the truth because they want the best for you. They don't want you continuing to walk around in this blindness, these blind spots. They want you to know the truth because the truth sets you free. Amen. And so Jesus is your best friend because he'll tell you the truth. I love what, the, what John said about him. He's full of grace and truth. Don't you love the balance of that? That Jesus is willing to show you grace when you need it the most, thanks be to God. But he's also willing to tell me the truth. As a matter of fact, he was teaching one time in Matthew chapter 15, and he was, he was really, here's what he's saying. The truth is, Here's, let me give you some truth. Let me give you some honesty about your own heart, right? You know, you ever heard somebody say, trust your heart? How many of you have heard somebody tell you that? It's terrible advice. And Jesus said, let me lay this out for you, what the truth is about your own heart. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. Why would he say that? He's a truth teller. And he wants you to understand these are the things that will keep you from intimacy and a relationship with him. And so every time your best friend tells you the truth, they've got your best interest in mind. How many of you believe that about Jesus? That he has your best interest in mind?
He's a best friend, right? Here's the next one. Generosity. Don't you love that word? How many love the word generosity? How many want to be generous? I do because if I'm generous, I'm looking a lot like Jesus. Amen? And so here's a friend. A friend gives something naturally because, because you're just in relationship with each other. Each person willing to share what they have. A true friendship has boundaries, yes, but there's also abundance. That person doesn't keep tabs. You know, let's say, you know, Mike and I are friends, but I keep, I keep doing good stuff for him. Then I remind him how good I, I've been to him. Is that real generosity? No, I'm not keeping tabs. Why? Because that's not the motive of the generosity. The motive of the generosity is he's my friend. I want the best for him. That's how Jesus feels about you. How did he demonstrate it? We've been saying this over and over again. He went to the cross. The most famous passage in all the Bible, I believe, John 3.16, says this. For God so loved the world that he did what? Say it loud. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes, are you a whoever today? Shall not perish but have eternal life. What's the point? The point is, because Jesus cares about you, he's in friendship with you, he was willing to be generous that's what friends do. They sacrifice for each other. John 15, 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this to lay one's life down for who? Who's, who's talking there? It's Jesus. Sacrificing your life for somebody else is the ultimate act of generosity. And that's exactly what Christ did for you. He wants you to respond he wants a response from you. What's the response? Love me back. How easy is it to love somebody when they've sacrificed so much for you? Not very hard, is it? I'm willingly loving you, God. I'm going to sacrifice for you. I give you my life because you did so much for me. How many would say that, Pastor? I want, I want to do that today. I want to give Jesus my life. I want you to watch this clip from The Chosen. This is a powerful moment between Nicodemus and Jesus where this, actually where John 3.16 comes from. Watch this. of what Jesus was willing to do for you. And he summed it up. A government, it was to overthrow our sinful lives, folks. That's why he came. 
That's why he was willing to give so much. Because he wants to be a friend to you. Here's another one. Trust. I mean, you know, probably the foundation for every relationship is trust, right? And so when you have a best friend, you can tell them anything, can't you? You can tell them your deepest, darkest secrets, and you can rest assured they're not going to go telling everybody else, right? It remains in their heart. And so your best friend, Jesus, is the same way. You can tell him. He already knows, (laughs) right? But you can tell him anything. As a matter of fact, he says, confess. Confess your your faults. Confess your sins, right? And he who is faithful will forgive and cleanse. Are you glad for that today? That you stand, as the Bible says, justified as if you'd never sinned at all. When you tell him everything. That's good. Because again, you don't have to worry about uh, as, as what Jesus did, he, he took the judgment on himself for you, so you don't have to stand in judgment, folks. The moment that you confess Christ, the moment you give him your life, you, you go from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God. I'll take that trade-off all day long, won't you? All day. And you can trust Him. But here's the cool thing. It isn't just trusting Him for salvation. It's trusting Him with the rest of your life. It's, hey, God, I've got some dreams and some goals that I want to accomplish while I'm here. Okay, trust me. I want to get married. Trust me. Come on, somebody. I got this house. I, I, you know, Trust me with everything. Everybody say everything. Can he handle it? Can he handle it? Of course, he's God. And he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's Proverbs 3, 5, right? And lean not on your own understanding. So here's the thing. The moment you confess Christ, here's what you're saying. You know, you know I got a brain. Yeah, I'm not going to check my brain into the door, but I'm not going to try to figure out on my own. I'm going to lean in to the wisdom of God. For my life. And watch what he says in verse 6. What does he say in verse 6? In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what's he going to do? He's going to direct your path. He's going to make your path straight. I love one, what one passage says. He, he, he's going to send you down the best path for your life. Why? Because he gets you. He knows you. You can trust him. How many say, Pastor, I can trust him. Fully trust him. There's an old song we used to sing, right? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Come on. Just to take Him at His word. Just to rest upon His promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. That's what kind of, that's what kind of relationship we can have with Him, where we trust Him with everything. Because He's trusted worthy amen you guys with me still anybody asleep say amen if you're asleep encouragement anybody need encouragement how many need encouragement this morning 
I need it. How I many you know that's what friends do? They can tell when you're struggling a little bit. And they say, hey, look, I believe in you. You got this. You can make it. Do you realize that's what Jesus is doing? I can picture him, you know, because the Bible talks about a lot of, about like races, right? And then there's finish lines. Wherever there's a race, there's always a finish line. All right? Are you with me? And I can picture Jesus at the end of the finish line saying, come on. Come on, you can make it. Don't give up. I know it's hard. I know there are storms. I know there are times that you you don't feel like going on, but you can do it. Come on, listen to my voice. You can make it. That's what he's saying this morning. If you're discouraged, if you're worried, if you're anxious, listen to the voice of Jesus crying out saying, listen, don't give up. You can do this. That's what best friends do. We encourage one another with, when we look into God's Word. You know, folks, when you're afraid, there's a, bit, there's a scripture for fear, right? When you're anxious, there's a scripture for anxiety, right? When you're worried, there's a scripture. How many know God's Word speaks encouragement into your life? Here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6, if you're anxious or worried, he says, therefore I say to you, do not, what? About your life. And some of you this morning, you were, on, you were at the table, you're wringing your hands, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And here's the reminder, Jesus has got this. Don't worry what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Watch this, the next verse. Look at the birds of the air. Anybody ever stopped and looked at birds lately? What are they doing? Are they worried? They're whistling. Because they know they're taken care of. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father, what does He do? He feeds them. And then what, what does He say? Are you not much more valuable than they? You know what He's saying? I created birds. I love birds. But you know what? You're the pinnacle of my creation. I didn't die for a sparrow. But I did die for you. And when I understand God's heart for me, and I understand when He teaches very clearly, don't worry, guess what? Don't worry. Amen. And so this is, this is our understanding that Jesus has come to and give you, give you these encouraging words. He reminds you every single day you're His. You belong to me. I love you. I care about you. I died for you. You can do this. All of these words you can hear. But here's the truth, folks. There's another voice. Is there not another voice trying to influence you? What's his name? Satan. One of our favorite passages around here is John 10, 10, right? The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy so he's going to try to tell you the opposite of what Christ is saying. 
and you've got to be able to recognize the different voices. Is that right? You have to recognize if it's a condemning voice, if it's a voice that, that causes you to feel shame and guilt, you realize that's not the voice of Jesus. But when he says, you can do this, don't worry, I've got this. What a best friend, amen? The last one before we close this morning. Steadfastness. Aren't you glad that God is faithful this morning? You can trust Him. Psalms 91.15 says this, He will call on me and I will answer Him. Aren't you glad for that this morning? I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver Him and honor Him. Who's He talking about? This is God talking to you today. He is with you. There's another passage that says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So every step you take, every morning when you wake up and you hit the, the alarm, you wake up and get out of bed, you can rest assured that he's walking right beside you every day. Are you glad for that this morning? He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm talking about best friends, folks. Your best friend has your back. How many know Jesus has your back? He has your back. No matter what the situation is, he's got your back. There's an old song. It's not a Christian song, but I believe that Jesus could sing this song to you. Y'all ready to hear the words? Taylor, I'm not going to sing it. Michael wants me to sing it, but I don't even know if I know the tune. Some of you probably know, recognize it. Taylor and Carol King. Y'all remember that? Anybody? So here's what it says. You just call out my name, and you know wherever I am, I'll come running to see you again. Winter, spring, summer, or all you have to do is, I'll be there. Yes, I will. You've got a friend. Could you picture Jesus saying that? Whatever the season. Wherever you are in your walk, this is Jesus saying this to you. I'm there. All you got to do is say, help. And he'll come running. Amen. How many of you believe that about Jesus? Amen. Is it good? So as we're closing this, best friends, they love you despite your hang-ups. Despite your shortcomings, aren't you glad that Jesus loves you anyway? He knows all about you. He still loves you. And it's because he knows you so well, it's what motivated him to come to earth, as we said earlier. He chose to do it this way, folks. The beauty of the incarnation is there's probably a lot of other ways he could have done this. But he made a choice so he could be your friend. He put on flesh. True friends want to see the best in you. They're bringing it out of you. They want to see you grow to your full potential. Again, Jesus sees that potential in you. He created you. He gave you gifts. He gave you talents. He gave you passions. He gave you dreams. All of those are God-given. And He created you that way. 
So he's committed to you. He's committed to helping you do that. But here's the, the thing. You've got to trust him. You've got to put it in his hands and let him be the one taking care of it. I'll leave you with this. As a person who wants to grow and be all that we can be, what's the ideal? What are we look, who are we looking to as our ideal? Our best friend. The one who is sinless. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect down here. That's, that's what sanctification is. From the time you get saved to the time you die, you're going to be in process. But the goal is, it's never, we never lessen the ideal. The ideal is Jesus, the perfect Son of God. He's our ideal. He's what we're striving for. He's what we're looking to. And the, the good thing is, we can call Him friend. Amen. So what's your response this morning to this message? Number one, acknowledge just acknowledge that friendship with God is possible. Some of you may say, well, you know, I've always grown up that, G, that God was this high and lofty, awesome. Yes, he is. And I ne- when I talk about you being a friend of God, I never want to diminish the fact that he is a sovereign, powerful, almighty God. Amen? But he can be both. When we walk in the fear of the Lord... It's a reverent fear. It's not, we're not scared of Him. He's our friend. But we still reverence Him as God. Amen. So acknowledge that friendship with God is possible. Number two, acknowledge that Jesus fulfills perfectly all the characteristics we talked about today of a best friend. Aren't you glad He does? Number three, here's the most important part of this today. To start this friendship with God... You have to place your faith in His finished work. There's no other way. You can't get around this. If you want to be a friend of God, you go through the cross every time. Amen? He's the only way. And then this is the neat part. Because we we finished a series back in January. We called it Pray First. Remember that? And we talked about the fact that Jesus wants us to have Prayer is a conversation. It's not some ritual, ritual that you do or because somebody told you to. No, you talk to God. How do you talk to Him? As you would a friend. You're not going to go to your friend, Oh, thou Micah! No. It's very conversational. Why? He wants to hear from you. He wants you to express your your worries, your cares, your concerns. He already knows them. So here it is. Talk to Him. Pray. Every single day, it's an opportunity for you to build your friendship with God through prayer. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.